Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. Hi everybody, this is Patty Houston Home. Today I'm in Vinton County, Ohio. I'm sitting in a horse barn with my husband Mike Holm, my friend Linda Hambly, and the star of this podcast, Jackie Stewart. Well, maybe the real stars too, the horses. Jackie and her horses have quite a story. Welcome, Jackie. Hello. Welcome to you here at Equestrian Ridge Farm. Glad to have you. So we're excited. Uh, Linda's got a cat on her lap and there are noises in the background. What are those noises, Jackie? We have some guinea fowl. And guinea fowl now are often called African chickens. Have you heard that in yes. Uganda? Yes, and they have guinea fowl that people actually eat over there, but you probably don't eat yours. Well, no, we, we don't eat them, but they're, they're very noisy. They, a lot of people get them because they like the idea of them being alarm signals. And supposedly they eat ticks. So they're oh. insect controlled. That's a, that's a good role for them to have. So we're in Benton County, uh, known for among other things as being the least populous county among 88 Ohio counties and the last county to have a single case of COVID. Uh, so also known for having a weak internet. So we're recording this in person, the old fashioned way. Linda, my friend who rode over here with me, what are we doing here, Linda? Well, um, my partner Christine and I have been coming over to see Jackie to ride for pretty much eight years or so, and we found her. Uh, we were staying at Hocking Hill State Park, uh, and it was in January, and there was a beautiful snow, and we wanted to ride horses in the snow. And so we checked out um, local stables and called several, and everybody else said no, and Jackie said, come on over. And so we had a wonderful time. Um, so we are here just talking about Jackie's business and her rescuing of the horses and the various animals or menagerie that we're just here to chat. So Jackie, we've been trying to get this interview with you for months and we know you've been so busy. Um, and uh, Linda tells me you once were a jockey. I never knew that, even though I've been riding out here a couple times. So tell us a little bit about that. and. What brought you to Benton County? Well, Benton County's always been known by people that live in Ohio, in this area, that you could buy land here very inexpensively. It wasn't populated, the land wasn't considered valuable because it had been rocks and trees and then strip mines. So you always knew you could buy a lot of land for inexpensive price tags. So that's what brought me to Benton County but I had traveled and looked at other places. I grew up in Ross County, and that's about an hour away from here. I moved out to Colorado after college, um, and the horses have always been a part of my life because if you're a person that raises horses or has had horses as a child or, or you just are an outside person, it just kind of all goes together. So I did ride racehorses. Um, that was a period of time where I was living in Colorado and I was training horses and I just ended up 
getting in a situation where I was starting a lot of racehorse babies to go to the racetracks, and it was handy to just ride them the first couple outs on the racetrack um, so that they could go down the racetrack without throwing the jockey off. And it was so much fun, I decided, well, why not go be a jockey for a while? So that's how the jockey thing So started. was that unusual for women? Well, I had thought about being a jockey when I was in college, and that was in the 70s. But at that point, women didn't get to ride. There was a racetrack in Ohio, Beulah Park, which is up at Grove City. Uh, and you could be an exercise rider, but it wasn't the kind of thing where you could actually get somebody to let you ride their racehorses. Um, you had to basically grow up with somebody in the family in that way. So there was a, a famous lady rider. Her name is Cheryl White. She was in California when I ended up there, and she was actually from Cleveland. So once I got out west, it didn't really matter. A lot of the areas had county fair racing. So here in Ohio, we have county fair racing, but it's all standard bred where they have the harness racing. In parts of the West, they had quarter horse and thoroughbred racing for their county fairs. And some of them were paramutual and some of them weren't. So they didn't really care who rode the horses. They just had horse races. So there was a lot less stricture. Now, if you go all the way to California, it's the same kind of problem. Women are not considered as good as a man rider out there, just like in the East Coast. So it was clicky in certain areas. But when you got out to the Wild West, it didn't really matter. Mm. Wow, so, that's interesting. So I rode throughout the seven or 80s into early 90s. Um, I used to work at a stable many decades ago, and all the horses had different personalities, I know. Can you give us some stories about your various horses or the riders that you've come in contact with through the time you've been doing this? Well, there's a lot of horses and a lot of riders that have come through here. Originally, when I bought the property in 2000, it wasn't to take people out on trail rides. It was to have a place to raise horses for me and to actually compete horses. But when we bought the property, it was just property without any development. So there were no buildings except this open cow barn. There was no electricity. And 20 years ago, there wasn't hardly any traffic coming down here. The state parks weren't as popular as they are now. So I had started with the idea of homesteading a place and, and having a few horses and breeding some horses. And I got into it with my husband at that time. And in a year and a half, he had a brain aneurysm. So he became mentally and physically crippled. He survived it. But then it became, how do you pay for the land? And how do you build something on it? And so I started taking in some horses that people wanted riding lessons. And I was in Ross County, I had a training barn, so people knew that I trained horses. And at that point, there was more economy, so people would board horses. So in no time at all, I had horses to board and train here. And that lasted about eight or nine years. And in 2008 and 2009, when the economy shifted, 
it stopped being the kind of thing the middle class person could do. People lost their um, stocks and investments, and there wasn't that kind of economy anymore. And suddenly, I had no boarders. Nobody wanted horses trained, but people started trying to give me horses. I could just be at the grocery store, and somebody would say, do you need any horses? So I had a few riding lesson horses from my business before, and then horses just started showing up. People would call me. People wanted to give you a horse. And at the same time, people discovered that the state parks were free, that they could go on vacations without going very far. And so the tourism market started a lot heavier. People would find that, well, they were coming here. People wanted to know, could they ride horses? So people that had cabins, the castle lady, Ravenswood Castle owner, would contact me. People would contact me and say, could their guests come ride? And so that's kind of how it started. Yeah. What about some of the horses? Uh, when I was here, that some of them had been abused, and you were telling those stories. Can you um, tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, all of them have come with different histories. Some, you find their history out as you work with them. For instance, uh, Missy. Missy was one of the first horses. I had a lady that contacted me, and she had a couple horses, and it was like 2009, 8, 9, and it was winter time, and she needed to get rid of them. And it turned out that she had been given these horses, and when the previous owner looked at them and visited, he could see they were about to die from starvation. She hadn't fed them. And so I didn't really think about getting them right away, but after talking to that lady, they showed up in the driveway the next day and it was Bo and Missy. And um, I had Missy until the summer, and she passed away, she was 30. Um, and she had been ridden very stressfully by people. So if you put an adult on her, she would shake and sweat. If you put a small child on her, she was at peace. So that's how it evolved. So. You just don't really know what kind of life she had, but she was a very sensitive horse, so she couldn't deal with an adult person anymore. So you can you have to kind of extrapolate how that happened, but I can imagine it happened because she was pushed too much. So then the other horse that came with her was Bo, and Bo didn't want to go anywhere. He was done. Leave me alone. He was angry. And so after, he would go backwards or just stand still. But he would go if Missy went on a ride. Without Missy, he was not a nice boy. But with Missy, he'd lived with her a long time. He would plod along with her. Now, if you added extra horses, he was defensive. So he would be too aggressive to other horses, which probably tells you that he had been in a situation where he had to defend himself. So those were the first couple. And then somebody one day called me about a couple more free ones. And I went and looked, and that was Duke. 
uh, Duke. They wouldn't tell me what happened to him. They just didn't want him anymore. And you could see he was terrified of people. And the first day we had him back and we had the farrier come to trim his feet. You instantly knew what was wrong with him because immediately when the farrier walked up to him, he stood on his hind leg and was fighting for his life. So Duke has scars on his face and legs and that probably came from that kind of a situation. Duke took three years before we could comfortably have somebody ride him and it was he's been here about eight years now and he still worries when you pick something off the ground. So a lot of them have stories like that. Most of them when you get them you get on them they have issues with their body. They may be walking with their legs twisted a little bit out of alignment. When I first got Jade and you led her, she's the great big draft horse, you could see that her right knee was not going straight. It was twisted a little to the opposite knee, see? So after the chiropractor worked on her, she's been fine. And he didn't think that she'd been that way long enough that it had caused any uh, organic value problems in her body. But that was probably from being a workhorse when she was young and pulling something. Uh, Rosie, when she came, she's a quarter horse mare, and had somebody else had rescued her uh, with another horse, and they didn't know the history on her. But uh, when I got on her to ride her, she could not flex her neck either way. And her neck was dislocated so that it was in pain and she couldn't flex it. It was out of alignment. So she's a worrier type of horse when you ride her to this day because she doesn't want that to ever happen. So she just gets rigid when you first ride her. But after the chiropractor works on them, and usually I have to have it a couple times a year to keep them comfortable, they just relax and they start healing you can heal the health issues and make them gain weight and get healthy, but the mental part of them is a lot longer process. So what is it, Jackie, about these horses that make them trust you, and what is it about you that gives you the perseverance not to want to give up on them? Well, it's not really something that you, you know, think about. I mean, if it's, they come, they're here, and, you're, you know, the job that I have, in a way, is to sort it out and try to help them be the best they can be. It's no different than if you're a teacher and you've got a child that comes to your classroom. You're not going to turn it away until you try to sort out every version of what can make it better for that child. So horses are like children. How many horses are in this barn as we're sitting here now? Well, I'm not sure. We've, we've turned out a lot for the day. I have, I think, about 14 stalls. Um, so there'll be horses in the majority of those stalls during the day, and they will go out at night if they're the trail ride horses. And then in the evening, I bring in my personal horses. 
so that you know everybody gets to come in and be handled and that's part of their therapy to be touched and handled and moved and looked at so there's probably at this point there's probably only half a dozen in the barn right now but it would be full during the day so it's it's clear that you love them uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you connect to them well the being a horse trainer throughout the years I've discovered that there's a lot of versions of horse trainers you can take a horse which is like a child and force it to bend to your ways the majority of horses want to get along and then if they don't want to get along then they're considered you know dangerous or uh, untrainable or they need an experienced rider or some version of that but it's usually from people or the situations that they came from so when you have a horse come into your world you know you're going to try just like you would with a child help it be the best that it can be so who helps you out here? Uh, you're on about 200 acres, I think, right? Right. So well, I have tried to find, you know, help yearly. Um, we are close enough to Athens and, you know, MacArthur and Logan, but we're, we're not in a populated area like you said early, that this county is very low population. So there's not too many people to pick and choose from. Now, over the last few years, the tourist market has come in. There are more people. And there is a little college, Hawking College, that does have a horse program. So there can be people that want to work on a horse farm. A lot of people want to be around animals. So during a season, there'll be three or four hopeful people that you can help teach to help you and um, some years they are better at it than some years they aren't so right now I have uh, Javier has been here now this is his uh, second year I believe he is from Venezuela he had a ranch does have a ranch still there but with the political situation it's not safe to be there uh, Miguel is another person that Javier is friends with his father in Venezuela and Miguel is a young person and it's dangerous for him to be there so he's going to he's here and learning how to help with the horses while he practices English and tries to move on into having uh, college education and moving on into other things. I have a girl named Alexis that came last year um, and she did go to the little college and she has a farm background and so she's learned to help out with the feeding and things often you'll have uh, working students and people that want to be just um, around horses and they'll come and volunteer but it's really not we're not in the populated area enough to have that many people that want to be here every day so how many hours a day are you working on an average day? Well, you know, it's that thing where you think about 
a regular job, you're, you're all concerned about how many hours you check in. When you live on a farm or you have animals, you don't even think about that. It's just not part of the factor. You get up in the morning, you've got animals to take care of, and you get it done until the day's over. And so that's why it is a little hard to find somebody that works a nine-to-five job think about being on a farm. Because I'm seeing sheep, and I saw one pig over there, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a lot of different animals in addition well, to the horses. What I've got now is not only horses have come to me um, to have a place to live. I sometimes get people that show up and call me or want to give you a a pig or some chickens or who knows what. And so uh, I've decided to embrace it and we're going to have this next season an educational farm tour and branch into that aspect of the horse farm. The horses that I've taken in, a lot of them are getting up in age, and I've always wanted to have them be in more of a situation where they get extra love instead of extra ride. So we're going to do the farm tour kind of idea. Wow, that sounds exciting. When we were driving over here, uh, Linda was excited about the turkey, and she said, I hope the turkey is still there. So tell us about the turkey, how old uh, well, the... Elvira, Elvira is her name. <laughs> I've got Elvira in 2016. Thankfully, when you take pictures on your phone, it has a date on them, so you can kind of <laughs> chronicle things anymore. Um, we didn't have any turkeys. We had tons of chickens, so I thought, well, we'll go to, you know, in the spring, you can always find them at the feed stores. So I got a couple of turkeys. Um, the, she's the only one that made it. A few guineas, and I've had her now since 2016. She's a broad-breasted turkey, which is the kind of turkey that typically you have for Thanksgiving. They are not um, a turkey that is a normal run-of-the-mill farm animal because they are genetically bred to be food. So the fact that she's around this long, she's just not equipped to live that long. She's too heavy for her legs, but uh, she manages. She lays down a lot. So Linda, why were you so excited about seeing that turkey? She's, um, her personality is such that you know whether she likes you or not. And (laughs) I like- You can be the chosen. Ah, okay. And I like to be able to pet her head, and I just connect with animals, and it's very unusual to be able to be that close, I think, with a turkey, especially, as you said, she's she's still here where she was bred for food. So it is just fun to be around all the animals here. I haven't been able to ride for years, and I just come with my partner, Christine, and I hang out with the animals while you're out on trail rides, and I just love it. Now, our theme for these podcasts is hope. Um, so I'm kind of curious, Jackie, uh, do you see hope in what you're doing out here? Well, I think that when people come to ride a horse, they often are very surprised by all the farm animals here. 
and it in a way opens up other things that they didn't even um, think about well what is that a chicken what are chickens is that what chickens do what's a rooster why uh, do you have a turkey um, the, and the people are all, often very afraid of chickens and birds and so there's a lot of learning here about this so it gives you like you're helping people understand that there's more to their dinner table than they understand that where does that food come from are they learning about eating the food or actually where is it coming from so it, it's it's much different than what you think when people come out they have no idea what is that that is a pig they've never seen a pig they've never seen a chicken so it's really uh, amazing that we live in this part of the you know the 20th century that people don't understand where animals come from they just see it on their plate what does the word hope mean to you i i find great hope here in that you are rescuing animals and giving them a good life if they haven't had in the beginning what does hope mean to you well that's a tricky word i think um appreciation and peace and knowing that everything really is always going to work out learning to be in the moment and not worrying about the future that's mr donkey mr donkey is like not involved in the conversation he wants to talk to us so you know hope and, and appreciation and love and peace are all in the same type of feeling it's being in the moment enjoying life experiencing every day as a new day and a new adventure what's next for you jackie well the farm tour what we'll have will uh, give me the freedom to actually compete horses again and do some training and traveling when i do the trail rides every day I have to be here personally to take you out on those rides. I won't have to be personally here for people to enjoy the animals, but I have to personally be here to take you out safely on the horses. Yeah. So, so Linda and Jackie, um, I am a writer, and my first piece of published writing when I was 12 was about a horse, ironically. Uh, it was a horse that I saw walking home from school every day and just wanted to get on his back and ride out of my small town, you know. So, And then there was a show about Mr. Ed. Do you both remember that show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do, yes. So, a horse is a horse, of course. What's the rest of that? Sorry. People go yakety-yak the street and waste the time of day. But Mr. Ed will never speak unless he has something to say. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> well, anyway, I'm just wondering, Jackie, do, do your, if your horses could talk, or if they do talk, what would they say to us today? Well, they're 
they're pretty much vocal about their comfort zone. So, I mean, I'm sure almost everyone would walk up to you right now and want to know if there's any food in your pockets. Because that's, that's sort of their main driving thing is that's what makes them happy. You know, being around people, feeling safe, and maybe getting a treat. Maybe getting a little good rub, but boy, it'd be really nice if there was some yum yummy in your pocket on top of it. You know, sometimes, Jackie, I feel that way. I just want a treat <laughs> and a yummy in my pocket. <laughs> so, it's uh, universal, then. Yeah, I think it is. Any final thoughts before we pack up and leave, Jackie? Well, I guess you're just going to have to come and take a wagon ride. Ah, mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jackie, as we were driving here today and, and planning to meet with you, uh, I was calling you the horse whisperer. So how do you feel about that title, or would you rather have another title than that? Well, it, it's, it's a hard title because it's a TV title you know it's a book and it's tv and it, it, it gives the perception that animals are um in a different frame of mind than people they really are the same as people they're children and they they go through life and they either have good parenting or they have not much of a parenting and they learn by their experiences they go to school with their education, they get better, or maybe they just get abandoned and they have to work it out themselves. And so some, it's no different than uh, the relationship with um, people. Horses are like children. Do you get lonely out here, Jackie? There's no possibility of loneliness. <laughs> There's either a dog on my lap, a cat on my lap, somebody wanting something. I do um, find that I do talk to them, you know, just like they're a person. So, and you end up doing that if you're around animals a lot. Yeah, I, I actually, when we've had animals, I've actually had conversations with them, and I think they talk back to me <laughs> sometimes. So, so... Linda, any final thoughts for you as we're sitting out here in the cold <laughs> in the barn? Well, I'm just very grateful that Jackie is here and the loving of animals and the educating of people is so important in my mind and it just gives me hope. So I'm very glad you're here. Yeah. Well, so, thank you guys for coming. I just... Uh, I don't feel it's anything special. I just think that if you could do this, you would do it too. I think it's pretty special. Yeah, pretty special what you do. But, well, Jackie, I appreciate you sharing some of your story, and I know you have to get back to work, uh, but I'm Patty Houston Holm. I'm here with Linda Hambly. Our conversation today has been with Jackie Stewart, telling her amazing story about her horses and her farm. If you have a comment about this podcast or an idea for a future podcast on a story of transformation, send us an email to hopetalks at davidsucc.net. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. 
And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Thank you.